The following is brought to you by Canyon Ridge Church at Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com. Good morning, everyone. Boy, it's so great to um, be in church with you on the first Sunday of the year. I can't think of a better place that I'd rather be. Um, I love what God is doing in our midst, and I love being a part of the pastoral team and our church staff and leadership. It's been uh, over eight years for me, so I'm into my ninth year. And uh, singing about that over break, you know, a decade, that's kind of a long time. And so um, another year, another year, and I'll be there a decade. And that's just, uh, that's pretty exciting for me. I had a great time with my family over the break. I hope that you did too. Had an opportunity to uh, spend some time with your children, perhaps after two weeks with your kids and all your relatives. We should do a series on relationships just to help you out, overcome it, but we decided not to do that. Um, So we're starting a new series today called Pray. And you just can't start out a teaching series called Pray without prayer, right? I mean, that would be weird. We're going to have a series on prayer, but we don't pray. So... I think we should start out with prayer. I know Trevor prayed. He prayed an excellent prayer. Well, let's pray together. Today is day three of our prayer summit. We started on the first. I was here with some of you. And uh, then last night we had prayer as well. Today we'll pray. We'll have it again tomorrow night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and Thursday night. So I hope that you will come at least one of those. So let's stand again briefly. Up and down, up and down. We're getting religious. And I'm going to lead us in a short prayer. So I'll say some prayers, but this is your opportunity to pray yourself. And so I want to encourage you that if this is, uh, you know, a year, a time of the year where you want to make changes in your life, you want to set some new goals, you want to see something happen, a breakthrough in an area, now's the time to pray about it, ask God about it, ask him to help you with it, uh, help you get right with him, help you get back on track, help you with your family, all those things. Now's the time for you to pray about those things as I'm praying over us in general, all right? So let's go ahead and Go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning as a congregation. And Lord, first of all, thank you for everything that you've done in 2015. Lord, thank you for all the lives that were touched and all the people that were saved and baptized and healed and blessed and marriages restored and and people transformed by the power of the cross. Lord, thank you so much for all the amazing things that you have done. And Lord, it inspires us, it encourages us, it gives us hope for the future. For 2016, Lord, that you would do something amazing in our midst. As you said, Lord, in your word, that you could do far beyond whatever we ask or even imagine. Because you are such a great 
an amazing father. You are generous, you are kind, and you want to bless us. You want to help us. You want to bless Canyon Ridge Church. And there's a destiny on this church. That there's a plan in heaven. That the angels and heavenly hosts have a plan for us. So Lord, we pray today that you would help us fulfill that. That we would learn how to pray. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. Teach us, Lord, how to pray. How to draw close to you. How to receive more of you. I ask, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to rest in this place. And Lord, open our hearts to receive and to hear from you. I pray, Lord, that this would be the most amazing year yet of this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, be seated. As I said, my name is John. I'm part of the church staff. And this series is not like all the other series that we've done in the past. Not that those weren't as good as this one, but just different. This one comes out of something very special. And so I need to give some background before we can kind of get into this and understand where this came from. This was, I think, a process that God had begun early on in 2015. And now we're just kind of coming into it today here in January. 2014, going way back, was uh, probably one of the worst years of my life. I made a radical decision in February of 2014, so not too, well, almost a year ago, but February of 2014, I made a radical decision to leave my doctor, who I've been going to seeing that doctor for uh, about seven years, and, and he'd been treating me for fibromyalgia syndrome, which is an, an incurable disease. I was di- diagnosed with that in 2009, and he'd been treating me all the way up until that point. And I, and I decided to leave his care and go and pursue a whole other doctor. And this, this was a radical decision because... This, because of the the debilitating nature of this disease and and all that's very involved, and there had been several hospital trips and countless medications and and just on and on, all these medical procedures and so on and so forth. I don't have time to go into all of it. It was just intense, and, and so that was a huge decision. To do that, and I'd thought about it for a while, but I just got so incredibly desperate and terrible. I thought I was going to become disabled. I thought that I wouldn't be able to work. I'm going to have to resign from the church. I called Pastor Trevor into my office, and we sat down, and I said, "Listen, I don't think I can do this anymore. I think, you know, I, I, I just I can't." Uh, function enough throughout the day to be a productive pastor and leader. And so I, I, I need to resign, and I'm, I want you to help me plan this out for a resignation. 
And I was thinking in my mind, I'm going to resign from the church and apply for disability. This fibromyalgia is on the government's list of uh, debilitating diseases. And so if you have that, you go into disability. And thought that I would probably die within a, a short period of time. The suicide rate for people who have this disease is 70% or higher. And the reason for that is just simply no one can endure pain for that length of time. At some point, you come to the end of yourself. And so uh, my good friend, Michelle, who's in our church here, she had been telling me about her doctor for years and actually looked into it and wasn't able to go at that time. My insurance wouldn't work with their clinic and so on and so forth. All these things came about. And I finally, I was able to, we got new insurance. I went to that clinic. It's called the Bayview Medical Clinic. Gave them all my file. They looked it over and accepted me as a patient. So within two weeks, I started feeling better. So this, was, this would be March of last year. I started feeling better. And then by June of 2015, I felt 50% better. I mean, I, it, it was amazing. I had a complete... It was like... It's hard to describe to you, but it was like being able to work one or two hours a day... And then the rest of the day, you're just, you're just completely debilitated. And then I went, I, that's how I was before. And then I went to working 10 to 12 hours a day every single day. That's a massive difference in productivity. It's like all of a sudden I was back and I was so grateful to God, so grateful to God that he led me to this new doctor. And so I just love that guy. I mean, I just thank God for Dr. Balkin. He saved my life, and the Lord saved my life, and and now everything changed. And so then the Lord began to speak to me again about leadership and Canyon Ridge. Resignation was off the table. I think I told Pastor Trevor. I don't remember if I told him or not. He's probably wondering when I'm going to resign. But... Yes, I think I did tell him. He could see the change. And so not long ago, last year, I sat down with the staff and I asked them to forgive me. I said, I really haven't been the leader that you needed for over a year now. I haven't been the leader the church needed. I haven't been what you needed I haven't been a very good leader because I was on the verge of death, it seemed, you know? And so I was asking their forgiveness, but I kind of wasn't, you know? Because it's not like I brought this on myself. It's not like I intended to be this way. It happened, and I struggled with it. And so it was an apology, but it wasn't. They understood and so we began to dream about, okay, what do we do from here now? We can see the damage has been done. There was a number of issues and problems within the church. We were struggling. So we decided to hire a consult, leadership consulting group called Leadership Catapult. 
It's led by David Cook. He's from Placerville, California, a little town in California. And we called David. He said, sure, absolutely, Um, with a huge fee. uh, He would come up here and help us and help me and help the staff. And so we had a group of leaders meet with him on a Saturday. And uh, then he met with the church staff and then met with people with me not there so they could talk about me behind my back and tell him all kinds of stuff. And, but, you know, I'm just t- teasing. They did, but they didn't. It was okay. And, and, then two, and then he showed up on a Sunday and he came as a guest and you didn't know it. And you probably said hello to him without even realizing who he was. And he just went through all the ministries of the church and evaluated everything And then two weeks later, sent us a report, a 14-page report detailing all of his findings about Canyon Ridge Church. And so obviously, 14 pages is too long for me to go into today. And so I'm preparing a, a summary to give you. You'll probably get that next week. But here's the good news. The good news is that although Canyon Ridge struggled terribly, in 2013 and 14, some of the issues that were plaguing our church had been resolved, and we were starting to move forward. And so there are a lot of good points that he identified in the church, as well as a number of areas that need work. But it wasn't just Uh, leadership and mission and vision and strategy and all those things that leaders do, there was one spiritual component to his report. And it's something that I didn't see before, I didn't know, I hadn't thought about that, but when I read it, it resonated with my spirit. It was like the Holy Spirit said inside of me, John, that's true. And what he said was that that Canyon Rich started in 1960. It was founded by Ole and Evelyn Hansen on this spot, 1960, and uh, then grew over the years. And uh, so under Pastor Ole, the church was planted. It grew to a certain level and then went back down. And he resigned. Uh, Doug Trentham came in. He became the senior pastor, led the church through growth, and then it went back down again. And then I came in in 2008, and we led the church to growth, and then it started to go down again. And so he said that that is indicative, that pattern of up and down, up and down and down, is indicative of a spiritual stronghold. That there is Something in the heavenly realms, in the spiritual realms, that is preventing this church from growth. That's keeping this church at a certain level and no more. Now, understand it's not just that. We have a certain size facility, so when it's maxed out, then it's too full. You know that you can see a few chairs open here this morning, but... All the experts say that when you get past, you get to this point, you can't get any more. 80%. You can never get past 80%. And so, you know, you need to start another service. But we're looking at that and we'll let you know when we decide to do that. But 
the church was suffering from an, an outside influence because God's destiny for Canyon Ridge Church is not for the church to stay at 100 people for all of eternity. That's not God's plan. God's plan is for his church to prosper and to reach this community, to touch this community. It's not about having a big church. It's not about having a lot of people. It's about being fruitful and productive about being healthy, about reaching people who have never responded to faith in Christ and leading them to a relationship with Jesus. So, and and, and going back to when I first came in 2008, this was something that God put in my heart. He said to me that his heart was to have this church grow to its maximum level and then expand. And so I read his report in that special say he said that that you need to pray. You need as a church you need to come together for concentrated specific focused intercession and prayer for a whole year asking God to break that stronghold and allow the church to grow beyond 84th and Waller. And so when I read that, it matched with the dream that God had given me and with what I thought the church should be able to do. And so we brought it to the leadership, to the staff. It resonated with all of them. Now, we didn't just accept it and start running with it. We prayed about it. We prayed about it. I talked to some other key leaders, and we came to the conclusion that this was, in fact, God telling us to pray. So the title of this series, Pray, is what it's about. It's about prayer. It's about learning how to pray and becoming more in tune in your prayer life and and learning prayer and praying and and all of that and, and, and getting more of God. See, prayer is not about getting something from God or getting him to do something for you. Prayer is about getting more of God. Getting more of him inside of you. And so the title is what it's about, but it is also a command from God. God is saying, Canyon Ridge Church, pray. Pray. I I began to look at all through the scriptures to try and find out when every place where God said to somebody, pray. And you know what I found? In every single case, when God said to a person or a group of people, pray, he was about to do something big. That prayer always preceded the move of God. And so you think about the significance of this, at what God is doing with us. He said to us, pray. Canyon Ridge Pray because. Now, I don't know what the because is. I don't know after a whole year, we are going to do this. We're going to focus on prayer. And I don't know if after a whole year of prayer, this spiritual stronghold is going to break or not. I don't know that. But what I do know, as a matter of fact, is if we don't pray, 
It's going to remain. It's going to stay there. And generation after generation will come in here. And this church will go up to two, three hundred and right back down again. And it'll bob up and down, up and down forever until perhaps one generation comes out in. They can't go up and it goes down and it closes and it's done. Some churches have a lifespan. Some live for generations. It's up to the people that are in that church of what its destiny can be. The second subtitle to this series is Prayer is the Key to Everything. I believe that with all of my heart, that prayer is the key to this church's growth and everything it needs to become, and it is also the key to everything in your life that you want to become and that you want to succeed in. Prayer is the key. It's the key for you. It's the key for me. It's the key for all of us. Prayer is the key. I stumbled upon this uh, little promise, promise that God gave to Solomon. It's in 2 Chronicles 7. It says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. I believe that's a promise. Not only was it a promise to Solomon, it's a promise to us. It's a promise from God. He said, Canyon Ridge Church, you must pray. And turn from your wicked ways. That's part of what David Cook wrote in his report. He said, Cannon Ridge Church, you need to pray and you need to go into a period of repentance. Prayer and repentance and forgiveness, asking God if there is anything that's been said or done that has been offensive to him, dealing with those sins and then seeking his face to break and overcome this stronghold. Part of the problem, I think, the first barrier that I see that we face as we go down this path is the sin of prayerlessness. Now, right off the bat, you think, what? A sin? Is not praying a sin? Well, yes, it is. It is a sin when God says to you, pray, and you don't. And God is saying to us, pray. So if we're not going to pray, then we're sinning, we're disobeying God, and we're certainly not going to come into the destiny that he has for us. So prayerlessness is an issue. I think it, what happens is we believe that we're too busy to pray. You just don't have time for it. So I want you to think about this. Think about it in, in this context. You go to your doctor and he says to you, I'm very sorry, you have a terminal disease, 
it's critical, and you're going to die in three days. That's terrible news. Nobody would ever want to hear that and scare you to death. You'd probably want to get a second opinion, but you better hurry. (laughs) He says, but if you take this pill that's been made, this special pill right here, you take this pill, you will live. Take one pill every single day, and you'll live. So you leave his doctor's office, and what do you do? It's not a trick question. Yeah. You go right to the pharmacy, right? You buy the pill. The next day, when you wake up, what do you do? You sure? Maybe you get busy. Maybe you're thinking about your day and all that stuff. You got reports to do and you got to give this presentation. You got to accomplish these things. You got to make these sales calls, all this stuff you got to do. Are you going to forget? No. No, you're going to take that pill. Are you going to go all day long, the very end of the day, it's almost the end of the day, and you just say, you know, I just didn't have time today to take the pill. I think we have in front of us that level of urgency. I really do. I really believe that. I believe that God has been patient with Canyon Ridge for a long time. And now he's looking for this generation. Are you going to respond to what I'm asking you to do? Part of the problem is that we think or we believe, at least we live like, prayer is good, but not necessarily required. Or we believe that prayer is necessary, you know, you need to pray, but you don't really have to, you can get by if you don't, because we've gotten by before. Or maybe that Prayer is required of God. May we believe that prayer is required, but it's not critical to our success. And you say, well, no, we don't believe any of that. But then I say, well, but that's not how you live. And don't you show what you believe by how you live? You see, we believe that we can do just fine without prayer. And a lot of days we do 20 or 30 things, and at the end of the day we're exhausted and we go to sleep and we didn't pray at all that day. Oh, maybe we thought some things or we fired off a few darts, you know. But really, no time at all set aside to be at the foot of Jesus and to seek his face. We believe we can do just fine without prayer. We believe that by our actions. So let me ask you this question. How is that working for you? We strive, we struggle, we work hard, And we do it all in the flesh. We do it all in our own strength. 
And God is just sitting there and waiting and saying, when will you come? And when will you put your trust in me? When will you make me the top priority of your life? We have it backwards. We have it upside down. Jesus taught his disciples. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So there's two things right there that we already know we need to do. Seek God in prayer and turn from our sins. So he repeated it there. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It means turning away from sin. And then all these other things, that stuff that you pursue, I'll give you. You can have that. But you must make me first. I think we treat prayer like it's a negotiable transaction with God. Right? It's a, it's a spiritual machine. And we take our spiritual money and we put it in the machine. And now God is obligated to answer. It just doesn't work like that. I think we, we want a God who is impersonal. He's a, he's, a, he's a far off and he's aloof. And that's fine. Or maybe he's a God that we've created in our mind. And he's kind and loving and friendly and anyone can go and talk to him and he'll be their friend. Or maybe we like God to be a power source. You know, the force is with you. God is the force. And he's a power source and at any time we can call on that power and it'll be for us and we can use it to succeed. And all of those kinds of God we are willing to accept. But a God that came as man and dwelt among us. A God that is personal, that is on the other line tugging at the cord. A God who is King of kings and Lord of lords. We don't really want that God. It's too personal. It's too difficult. A relationship? Are you kidding me? I can barely handle the ones I've got. You know that John describes a group of people in the book of Revelation. Revelation 6. You should look it up sometime. Quite fascinating. He describes the return of Jesus. And when we read the New Testament and we read the red parts, right? You have a Bible like that. It's got red parts in it. Those are the words of Jesus. And they're wonderful words. And he's so kind and approachable. Children come up and sit on his lap. And, and he laughs with people. And he's loving sinners. And it's just an amazing picture of this loving, welcoming, inclusive God. But in order for Jesus to do that, his glory had to be muted. That's a theological term, muted glory. It means basically that his glory was, in, in Hebrew, it's like a covered veil. So it was hidden. So part of his glory was hidden from us while he was on the earth because if you saw the full glory of God, you would fall down dead. You'd die, right? 
Moses says to God on the mountain, God, show me your face. And God says, no, no man can see me and live. So I'll hide you into this rock. I'll pass by. You'll see my backside. Isaiah saw the Lord in a vision. So, you know, a vision is somewhere in between a dream and reality. And so it isn't full reality. And he saw the glory of the Lord. He said, I'm undone. And so John describes the the return of Christ. And he says that people will shout out and scream in horror and beg the mountains to fall on them and hide them, the trees to fall on them because of the terrifying glory of God that radiates from Jesus. Because when he returns again, he will come in full glory. Full glory. That's the God we're praying to. That's who we're talking about here. That's who has said to us, Canyon Ridge, pray. Pray. Because I'm about to do something. I'm about to change the course of this church and you with it. Anyone who's open, anyone who's willing, anyone who wants God to do something, they get to be a part and God will do it in them too. But it begins with us getting on our knees and praying. It begins with this prayer summit. Starting next week, we've been working on this plan for quite some time now, church staff, and we've got this strategy that's unfolding for 2016 for us. And so here are some of the things that we've got planned. we're, We're creating a prayer guide and something to help Anyone who, who doesn't really know how to pray and don't pray a lot, most of your prayers are 911, right? You know, it's, it's oh God, oh God, help me. Or it's, uh, oh God, oh God, if my parents don't find out, I'll serve you. You know those kinds of prayers. God, God, please put a check in the mailbox. Please, please, please make my urine sample clean. Oh God, you know, it's those kinds of prayers. So we're making a prayer guide that will help you day to day to know how to pray and what to pray. So we'll give you that next week. And then every single month of the year, you will get a prayer guide like that that will help you throughout the month. And then we will have specific prayer meetings every single month throughout the year. Every single meeting that we have in the church will begin and end with prayer. Every single one. All community groups will do more prayer. Every week, not every weekend, there will be weekend prayer summits where we'll set aside certain Saturdays throughout the year where you can come and learn how to pray, be taught how to prayer, prayer services. Starting next Sunday, we'll have pre-service prayer before the service. We'll start at 10.45. You can come in here and pray with us for 15 minutes before the prayer, before the service begins. We're going to teach you how to fast. Part of the requirement or the suggestion is 
prayer and fasting. So maybe you've never fasted before, or maybe you have, I don't know, but we're going to teach you the right way to fast and encourage you and lead you in some fasting and some prayer. It can't be all that bad. So let me sum all of this up. We're going to pray as a church. It starts with me. I've said yes to the Lord. I'm going to do that. Church staff, they've all said yes to God. They're going to do that. And now it's up to you. What are you going to do? We're inviting you to pray with us, to learn how to pray. We're going to pray in focused ways, specific ways, personal ways. Pray corporately, individually, privately. Prayer partners, I want to teach you how to choose a prayer partner, and what that means and how that works. We're going to learn how to pray together. And at the end, at 365 days later, this is going to be a changed church. You think about that for a minute. Think about all of those prayers, a whole year worth, all focused in one direction. That is awesome. Just think what it'll do. Think what it'll do in your life how that'll transform your own life, not to mention what God is wanting to do here at Canyon Ridge. couple suggestions for you. One, be open. Be open. The man in, in Mark chapter 9, where all this kind of started, and, and, you'll, and in, you'll hear more about that later, but all it said, the father brought his son who was overcome with evil spirits, and he said, I don't have any faith. Jesus, help me with my unbelief. That's the right attitude. That's it. So maybe you don't have any faith and you don't believe any of this. And you think, oh, this is not going to work. If you'll just say, I'm open. I'm open, God. Just, I'm willing. Show me. That's good enough. Bring your prayer requests. Buy a journal. Write them down. Buy a prayer devotional. Uh, Joy and I have started a new devotional this year. It's written by Tim Keller. It's called The Songs of Jesus. It's wonderful. So buy this journal. Uh, how, How much was it? It was like $10 or less. It's not that expensive. What I do, what we do, is uh, you you get up every morning early enough before you do the rest of your stuff. It's always the first part of the day. You get that prayer journal out, and it tells you what day to start. You read those verses, and then you look at what he says about it, and then there's some prayers that are suggested. And you follow all of that, and you can pray your own prayers. But it helps you get your prayer life started, kind of jump starts it, makes it to, to go and to work. So... Buy one of those or something. Or there's, there's a lot of them out there. <clears throat> Another good one is A Year with C.S. Lewis. I recommend that one highly. And then join us for the prayer summit. Show up tomorrow night or one of the nights this week. 
come pray with us. There's no pressure on anyone to have to pray, you know, in front of people or whatever. It's very low key, but wonderful. One of the best compliments that I got was from the first night of prayer. At the very end of the prayer, this person said to me, wow, that was a great prayer meeting. I'm so glad I came. And you will be too. You will be so glad you did this. So come and be a part of the prayer summit. And then we'll finish it all off on Thursday night with worship and prayer and a wonderful evening. So God is speaking to me and speaking to you through me. Pray. Next week, I'm going to start in and start teaching you how to pray. And we'll begin to look at the scriptures and see what God says, how you should pray, what you should do, uh, what, why you should pray, and all that. And we'll look into that and we'll begin teaching and learning, showing you how to pray, how to get more of God in your life. And I think it'll really, really bless you. So let's stand one more time. Pray for my voice. Man, it's just taking a dive here. And let's pray one more time. So go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to think, just keep your eyes closed here and listen to my voice. Are you guilty of the sin of prayerlessness? Have you made prayer a very, very low priority in your life? How about with your children or your spouse? Is prayer something you throw in when you have time? Because if, if it is, that's a good place to begin, asking Lord to forgive you. Ask God to teach you how to pray. And thank him a lot. Thank him for all he's done and all he's given you. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for anything that we've done that has offended you. Anything that Canyon Ridge has done or been a part of in the past, Lord, that has has offended you. God, we ask that you would forgive us and you'd show us. And we pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to pray. As the disciples came to you, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. We're saying the same thing. Lord, teach us to pray. We want to be known as a praying church. We want to be known as praying people. We want your house to be a house of prayer. Lord, stir our hearts. Lord, cause a hunger inside of us to want more of you. To hunger and thirst for righteousness And to be satisfied by the living God. Our joy would be made complete in knowing you and following you and having you. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to listen to the voice of God. Teach us how to flow with you and to walk with you and to see what you see and to obey. And Lord, help us 
We ask that you would break the growth barrier on this church. Break it, Lord, and skyrocket us to the destiny that you have for us. I pray for every person here, Lord, that is learning how to pray. God, show them your glory. Show them your face. Reveal your love to them. And teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.